Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface and to hold space for meaningful conversations. We're going to talk about life and love and basically everything in between. This is a place where done is better than perfect, where quality triumphs quantity, and where you can really just come as you are. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it, y'all? Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have fun too. Scout's honor. I promise you this. I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, you are so welcome. And before we get started, pause and make sure you're subscribed to the Refine Collective podcast on iTunes so that each week when a new episode drops, it'll download straight to those devices. And if you're an old friend, um, welcome back. Hi there. I already know you're all subscribed and good to go. But would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be incredibly grateful for that. Now, I used to feel like all weird and awkward about asking you to do this, but then I listened to Oprah's podcast and even she asks her listeners to do it. In the podcast world, those subscribes and ratings and reviews really, really help us. So thank you in advance. You are the best. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, find me on Instagram at The Refined Woman or my podcast specific account at The Refined Collective and send me a message. I would absolutely love to hear from you. All right, let's go ahead and get to it. Hello, welcome to my podcast. I'm very glad you're here today. Today is a fun day because... All right. It's a really fun day on the podcast when I get to talk to good friends of mine. I hope it's as fun for you as it is for me and not too many like private inside jokes, but we're just going to go with it. And you can let me know if there's too many inside jokes. All right. Today on the podcast, I have my friends, Jesse and Gerard, and they have a podcast called Marriage is Funny. And I'm going to let them tell you why they started it because I think it's super fascinating. But this is the first podcast episode. I think we're, I'm at almost a hundred episodes, which is insane. Um, But they're my first couple that I've actually had on. So that was really fun to have a real life couple on the podcast, two people giving insight and feedback. And we talk about a ton of things. Some of my favorite things that we talked about was like the bad marriage advice that people give you and like how to identify bad marriage advice and marriage myths that actually can serve to ruin and hinder your relationship. So that was super fascinating to me because we all get told these like phrases, these things to look for in a partner or to interact with your spouse in a healthy way that actually may not be healthy. So get ready for that. We also talk about married sex and myths about married sex, the complexities of married sex. And we also talk a lot about divorce and like why people get divorced, why, like what are the motivating factors to staying in a marriage for the long haul when it's hard and you're ready to give up and throw in the towel. And what I love about Jesse and Gerard is they're so willing to go there and they let me ask them some really hard questions. So I hope that you 
really enjoy this conversation. It was so fun for me. So here we go. Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and today y'all are in for a real treat. My real-life friends, Jesse and Gerard Pepper. I was just thinking, I don't know your real last names, but that's their stage name. (laughs) 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 Um, But they're here with us today. They have a podcast called Marriage is Funny. They're based out of California. Um, Welcome, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for having us. I'm so glad that y'all are here. And also, y'all are the first couple, like, like two people I'm interviewing at once, people on a podcast. I wondered about that. This might be the last. And it's going to be the last. (laughs) If I mess it up, okay. That feels like a lot of pressure. I don't know what to do now with my hands. This is, I want you to be sweating and nervous the whole time. (laughs) Oh, I've been sweating for the last hour leading up to this with excitement. Well, I've just been sweating because it's winter in New York and I'm wearing a sweater inside and it's like a thousand degrees anytime you step inside. So, I don't miss that. I don't. Yeah, man. Okay, let's tell, I think we should tell people about our love story, how we met. Oh, yeah. Because we have some context. Like a lot of times I have people on the podcast and it's legit that like when we start recording, it's like the first time we've ever talked in right. our whole lives. And right. then it's like I how I describe it to people is I'm like, it's kind of like, a blind date on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah, that's that's a good way to describe it for sure. But we have context because we knew each other in New York. We go way back. Mm-hmm. Actually, I feel like I remember meeting you or at least like our first several times connecting. I don't know the order exactly, mm-hmm. but I just remember every time you and I connected, it was a new, like we realized we had a new friend in common. Yes. Wait, mm-hmm. I didn't say that right. It was It was like each time we were connected you shot Beth once. That's right. That's and right. I remember meeting you then. With and the then camera. With the camera, yeah. <laughs> I murdered her. Thanks for telling everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know you knew Sarah, and then you knew Michelle Kim. And That's so there right. were all these people that like we had overlap with mm-hmm. and realized, and it was right after I think you had moved to the city that mm-hmm. we finally were like, okay, let's make this happen and mm-hmm. be, be mega friends. And it just, everything played out from there. Yes. And, and then you sh- you shot me here in Long Beach when we were here right. doing like our kind of bi-coastal living mm-hmm. thing experiment. And mm-hmm. you shot me over on the beach and that was super fun too. It was really fun. And I remember when I met you for the first time, Jesse, I was like, she's taller in real life. Like, <laughs> you're a tall girl. And y'all also went to where y'all went to college. Y'all went to Point Loma, right? In San yeah, Diego? Yeah. And that's where we have like invisible children crossover people from that world as well. Even further back. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. And then like, I feel like there's not a lot of people, like couples in my life where I'm like, I totally just like want to hang out with Mm -hmm. both of the people. And (laughs) that's how it is with you guys. And I just, I feel like even Gerard, like we've had so many fun times together and we were just talking about our, our old improv circles we used to do. So much fun. (laughs) So silly. So dumb. Like we would just laugh forever. I I loved it. I would just stand there watching you guys Mm -hmm. laughing and also like, wow, I could just like sidle away and go get some stuff done and they could hang out without me. I actually love that when that happens. Yes. It's a real gift. So it we really we miss you a ton. Ever since miss we moved guys. away, we don't get to see you as often. But New that's York has just never been the street. same. Oh yeah, I bet. Never been the same. <laughs> okay, that. so 
I want to hear from you guys. Um, you guys have this podcast, Marriage is Funny, which I don't know. Oh, first of all, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. It might be like a little hypocritical of me because I have a podcast. <laughs> but when I go, like when I get into a podcast, like mm-hmm. I go totally rogue. And right. so I feel like I've been hanging out with you for like the last week because I've literally <laughs> been listening to you nonstop. Yes. <laughs> Um, but okay. Talk about how you guys started marriage is funny and why you started it and what led to that. Cause I think it's a super interesting story. Yes. So Jesse and I were, we were about seven years into our marriage and we were living in Hoboken right across from, you know, you in, in Brooklyn there. And at the it's moment, right across, there's well, an Island called Manhattan. <laughs> that separates the two. Also, I did not know Manhattan was an Island for until like last year. So <laughs> Isn't it more like a peninsula. I mean, uh, I never get that part. Anyway, Lake. Anyway. So, <laughs> so, okay. Here we are living in Hoboken mm-hmm. and, really kind of going through a crummy time, mm-hmm. like in our marriage. It was not healthy. It was not good. We just were not. Honey, you can say it. We we talk, We were at the point where it was so bad, we were talking about whether or not we should split up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what he calls a crummy time, I'm like, um, hi, well, should we get divorced? Yeah. <laughs> really bottom yes. of the barrel stuff. Here. Which really yeah. has never been an option for us. But mm-hmm. But it's interesting. Like, I don't know if we'll get to that at all, but when you hold marriage in such high regard and if you've already decided that this is for life, then when you get to that point where you're like, this isn't working, you're like, well, shoot, now I feel like there's no way out and Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. So Mm -hmm. we were at that point. Yeah. So here we are kind of like, what are we supposed to do? I wish some of our good friends, we'd moved from Kansas City a couple of years before, wish some of those friends who we used to have like family dinners with essentially, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting around the table, all these couples who are kind of in a similar stage in life who would really share what's going on and share what's going on and happening in their marriages. And we were just kind of like, I wish they were around, right? Mm -hmm. At least we could talk to them and maybe we could figure this out. And so one of us, I think said, uh, you know, we should probably just record our conversation and send it to them. And then they can tell us who won the fight. I think I think I suggested that. I think it was my idea. <laughs> Gerard was like, that sounds a lot like a podcast. And at the time we were both avid podcast listeners. Mm-hmm. And he pointed that out. And I was like, bling, light bulb moment. Mm-hmm. Why don't we start a podcast? Which sounds like a really, really bad idea if yeah, your marriage is idea. failing and you're like, let's start a marriage podcast. But I think we really, you know tongue-in-cheek part about actually starting a show, but what we really craved was both the accountability and then also just the encouragement and support that comes Mm -hmm. from having those deep heart-to-heart friendships and meaningful conversations with the type of people that love you no matter what Mm -hmm. and aren't going to like run away screaming if you, you know, bring up a hard subject or something. Yeah. Um, but so a year later, we finally we finally bit the bullet and launched about four and a half years ago. And um, it's been a huge part of our lives ever since. Well, I'm glad that, I mean, spoiler alert, you guys didn't get a divorce. <laughs> and honestly, like, it's funny because it's such a weird thing to say that starting a podcast is what stopped us from getting a divorce. But, mm-hmm. I, and I don't think that we probably would have actually ended up going that route, but it just, it really has, I guess I could say saved our marriage in so many ways from being 
still really unfortunate. I mean, there's a lot of people that stay in even mediocre marriages. That's one of the things that we've started to really research a lot and has Mm -hmm. played into a lot of some of the content that we're creating is not necessarily for the show, but in other ways is just understanding why why being in a mediocre marriage can be such a dangerous place. Mm. Um, And even just like, Kat, I know you'll relate to this, but even as it relates to personal development, professional development, even spiritual development, like complacency can be a killer. I mean, once you decide that you don't need to grow anymore and you're just Mm. like, no, I'm good. That's, I think, when a lot of times we, we trip up and we don't continue to pursue our best self. And anyways, it kind of sounds like, more neat and tidy when I describe it this way because it's been a long journey for us and we're mm-hmm. still figuring it all out yeah. as we go. But yeah, that's I think that's the beauty of it. Well, that's one of the keys I was going to say real quick to the show is lest anyone think that we were giving marriage advice while our marriage is oh, falling apart. No, no, we no. were simply getting on the microphone to talk out our own issues. Yeah. Right, right, right. And so mm-hmm. we would kind of just take a subject and be like, okay, let's talk this through. Let's figure it out. And oftentimes we'd find ourselves really like, why are we, you know, this is a conversation I feel like we didn't need to have or, or maybe we could have avoided in a way, mm-hmm. but forced ourselves to have these conversations that I think we were just lacking in our marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and one of the reasons why it did, you know, help us so much was it really made us accountable to one another to to really kind of connect again mm-hmm. and then and then to stop avoiding difficult conversations just because they're difficult and you'd rather watch, you know, another round of Netflix. Mm. So I'm curious about that because, well, first of all, I have like a thousand follow-up questions. So (laughs) we're going to go rapid fire. So I'm the type of person, like I have my heart on my sleeve. My assumption is that Jesse, maybe you and I, like you're an external processor. I'm an external processor. Yeah. Like if something's off, like I can't pretend it's okay. Um, And so I think, you know, as a single person outside looking in, I'm so curious about that, you know, that dynamic that you just said, Gerard, like, you know, let's watch TV instead of having the hard conversation. Like, how do you get to a place where those conversations are be avo- are being avoided, or is it just like we're having the same conversation over and over again? And um, so that's part one of the question. Mm-hmm. And then my other question for you, I don't know, you guys can answer it in whatever order, is why was your marriage in a crummy place? Like what led to that? Because I think... I think being on the single side and I speak to so many single women, it's like everyone, all these like single Christian women in particular think that like marriage is like sunshine and rainbows and like Mm -hmm. all the free sex you want. Yep. And it's like, okay. I mean, nope. (laughs) nope. So how did your marriage get to the place that it was? And like, how did you recover from that? Or how are you recovering from that? You know, I really think we got to this point in our marriage where those conversations weren't happening almost simply by time. Mm. Like, we've been together for seven years, married for seven years. And, you know, you get into routines, you get into life. Sometimes you just realize. Well, honey, I I disagree. Um, I think one of the things that happened for us was that we would avoid any conversations that we knew could have conflict in them. And so, for instance, like I can think of one specific conversation related to my business, which was 
I was maybe a few years in at the time. Mm-hmm. And so there were a lot of things about my business that I really wanted to talk through, but that always brought up a point of contention between us. And so then it began to be something that we avoided. And then that stuff sort of festers if you're not talking it out. Because anytime Gerard and I, in the past, this is, I would say, pre-podcast, anytime we would come up against something that caused us to fight or disagree, we would like freak out and run in opposite directions and bury our head in the sand and pretend like it never happened. Because I think it's because growing up, I mean, we come from really healthy, happy families that have marriages for both sets of parents that are still intact. I mean, his parents have been married for 45 years, mine Mm -hmm. for 41 or 42 or something. Mm -hmm. And so like, first of all, that does not mean that our parents are perfect. And it also doesn't mean that any of this is their fault, but neither set of parents. So neither one of us grew up seeing how healthy conflict could look. Mm. And so when conflict would come up for us, we would be like, oh my God, the sky is falling. We're doing something horribly wrong. Our marriage is over. Yeah, because we weren't seeing any conflict at all. Like, right, and that's what I'm saying. Our doing it all behind closed doors in a way. Exactly. So for us, conflict meant this is the end. Yeah. Mm. And we never thought how to be modeled. We never saw it modeled in a healthy way. So I think a lot of times we were avoiding important conversations because we didn't know how to get through them. Um, and that's one of the things that I think the podcast really helped was... Um, And honestly, like, you don't have to start a podcast to fix this and you don't have to be married to have it be an important thing. It could be between friends. But I think if we understand that conversations, healthy conversations in order to be efficient and in order to build a relationship, they they don't have to be conflict free. Um, And in some cases, the conflict or maybe we don't even have to call it conflict, but in some cases, the points of tension can even be what draws you back closer to each other and then mm. strengthen the bond between mm. you. And that's mm. actually um, kind of like the core concept of this, um, well, a, a book idea we're working on and then also the um, some of the teaching that'll happen at this big event we're working on as well. But it really has been something that we wouldn't have uncovered, I don't think, had the mm. show not started. What was the other question? It's really well said, by the way. Um, yeah. Then just like Thanks, how, how we got to... Um, <laughs> that point in our marriage. Oh. Like, I mean, honestly, it, it took a lot of almost looking back, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty in, mm-hmm. in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And I think we really found that our marriage became very isolated when we were on the East mm-hmm. Coast. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is... Um, it's fact, funny, it, right? Because you feel like how, two people living together and doing life together, how could you feel yeah. so isolated or so lonely? But I mean, we, we were both extremely, extremely um, lonely and very, very much struggling with that. Yeah. So we started kind of like almost closing in on each other in this way. <laughs> that mm-hmm. was, you know, I need you to be everything for me mm-hmm. and vice versa, mm-hmm. which you know, is a beautiful thing about marriage, but we weren't getting any sort of friendship, any sort of connection. I won't say any sort of friendship, but (laughs) we just weren't getting much of that. (laughs) We hadn't met you at this point. We weren't getting much of that outside of each other. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't have the ability, like I was talking about this time in Kansas City where we had these great married friends Mm -hmm. who we really, you know, became a, a good part of our crew in terms of understanding ourselves and each other. And so, without those relationships, then it feels like you're always trying to kind of put on this front of everything's perfect. Everything's great. Don't worry about it. 
And so here we were just kind of like crumbling and didn't have anybody to talk well, to. And then and- I think the story that always stands out to me uh, just really quickly is mm-hmm. that we had these friends, I won't say their names, but um, had just gotten married and they'd been married for about three months and we were friends with them while they were dating. And then, of course, while you know, we were excited that they got married. And three months into their marriage, a different friend of ours, mutual friend, came to us and said, hey, did you hear that so-and-so and so-and-so are splitting up? They're getting a divorce. And we were like, what? You've only been married for three months. Like, yeah. what mm-hmm. happened? And also, why? Like, isn't it kind of weird that we're hearing it from you? Why, why didn't mm. they tell us? Like, we had no idea anything was wrong. And she goes, well... I know this is kind of like hard to hear probably, but she said they didn't want to tell you guys because they, you know, they said you guys have a perfect marriage. So there's no way you'd understand. And they were were ashamed. And we had like just had this conversation of, did we make a horrible mistake by getting married? And so Mm. by no means did we have a perfect marriage, but we realized like we are obviously not being, the kind of vulnerable that makes for meaningful relationships if if we hadn't even been open and honest enough to share with our friends like not that you have to tell everything to everybody but yeah the fact that they thought we had a perfect marriage just real made us realize that something was broken and yeah. we weren't being honest enough about our own struggles with our mm-hmm. friends that are married and and even with it doesn't matter if you're married or not like I want to be the kind of friend that is open about that stuff with my buddies. Well, and I think you guys bring up something that is a conundrum. I think for so many people, myself included in New York City, is like Mm -hmm. you're literally around like millions of people on a daily basis. And Mm -hmm. I've never felt so lonely and isolated in my whole life. Right. As I I have living in New York. I don't think it has that much to do with like your... Because like you have deep friendships, I know. And so it's not like it really, you're not like lacking deep friendships. It's a weird, different kind of isolation. It's difficult to explain. It is. And I mean, I, you know, you know, uh, some of my girlfriends that I've been, that I have been friends with here for a while, but it is such a transient city. And I'm in a place right now in New York where like, honestly, I'm like, if I left tomorrow, I think I would have like one friend that I would like keep in touch with maybe two. Like there's a lot of people. I feel like New York is kind of like this land where like, you know, a lot of people, but yeah. you're going to go like six months without seeing them or yeah. like yeah. you, everyone's like career driven. So, I mean, even dating is difficult. It's like, man, like I have to be so intentional about creating space in my life for yeah. that because like you can blink and years go by and you're like, I know a lot of people, but I don't have any friends and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. no one knows me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can only imagine like, man, feeling like the person you're sharing a bed with is a stranger or mm-hmm. like you're almost like you're estranged from them in a sense. I feel like, I I don't know what you guys think about this. Y'all are the married ones, but my mentor, one of my mentors told me a long time ago, she's like, like loneliness and singleness is one thing, but you don't know loneliness until you're in, mar- you're in a lonely marriage. Mm. Like that's a, a whole other type of loneliness. Mm. Um, what yeah. do you like, do you guys agree or what do you think of that? Well, one of the first things that comes to mind is that I'm I'm guessing is when you're married, you feel like that would be the relationship that would fill the 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 gap that is loneliness, right? And mm-hmm. so it's it's I think one of the things that maybe would make it painful, at least from experience, I can say that 
it's almost like if you're married, your brain feels like you shouldn't be lonely because you have another person there. And yet the fact that there's between what your, what your assumption would be versus what you're experiencing Mm -hmm. is where it can be confusing and painful. And like Gerard said, I think there have been different seasons in our life. Um, You know, we've been married for 12 years together for like 15 or something. Mm -hmm. And there've been plenty of seasons where we've experienced loneliness because we weren't able to be for each other what we were expecting from mm. from each other, I guess. Um, and I don't think that's a problem. I think it's just, well, I mean, it can be a problem, certainly. But I just mean, like, if that happens, it's not necessarily the end of the world. It's just a matter of saying, like, hey, look, this is how I'm feeling. I mean, one of the things that has really um, made, I would say, our marriage become healthier by leaps and bounds, especially this year, is both of us pursuing emotional intelligence Mm. in a way that is both like our own personal emotional intelligence, but even then just understanding what each other experiences emotionally. And that I think like loneliness to me is, I don't know if it's technically an emotion, but it feels related, you know? And so Mm -hmm. now knowing that like, gosh, if I'm sitting here, uh, you know, going through this season where I do feel super lonely, it's my responsibility to share that with my partner because he, we say that a lot actually, and, and this, this is super relevant even to like our week, I will say, is giving your partner a glimpse of your own inner world is one of the best ways that you can allow them to um, both understand where you're at, but then also deepen your connection. And so if I'm sitting around feeling one specific way and not letting him in on that. Like he's not a mind reader. Mm. Um, and just because you're married to somebody or dating someone seriously or, or best friends with somebody doesn't mean that you automatically, well, I mean, sometimes with the best friend thing, it's pretty easy to read the other person's <laughs> mind, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you've got to be open and forthcoming about that stuff. And that takes some real tough work in my opinion, because there's a lot of shame attached to some of the more, at least for me, like I don't like negative emotion. I don't like experiencing negative emotions. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times if I feel some of that come up and I realize, oh, I should probably share this with Gerard, I have to get past the point of being like, yeah, but does this mean I'm broken or does this mean mm-hmm. I'm going to feel this way forever? And so anyway, it's just, it's, it's, I think a healthy practice, but it's been a tough lesson for us to learn yeah. for sure. Do you have any thoughts on that, Gerard? Yeah. I mean, you brought this up earlier is, is, you know, Jesse is, is an external processor. I'm mm-hmm. a very internal processor. In fact, I was just going to like sit here and think about what both of you have been talking about <laughs> for five minutes. None of the listeners <laughs> are surprised at this point, by the way. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it, it is important then also for me to, to, to reflect and do that same sort of action in terms of, Hey, I'm actually really stressed out or, or I'm having a hard time with, this that happened five days ago, I didn't even realize it till now. And, and, and being open with, with Jesse in, in those feelings, mm-hmm. it's really the only way that we can remain, you know, remotely on the same page. And then also just able to, to move past those types of things and grow um, in, in our relationship, you know, let alone our individual selves. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that emotional intelligence part that Jesse's talking about is really, really crucial. No matter, you know, whether you're married or not, it's, it, it's, it's such a key element that brings about healthier relationships than sometimes you, you, you'd expect. 
right, single ladies, let's talk about online dating. Real talk though. Like, are you over it? Have you swiped right, swiped left, and are like, listen, Kat, it just hasn't worked for me. I can never get guys in real life or never find guys that are actually legit and not just looking for casual. Or maybe you're like, I've tried online and it just ends up being this pen pal situation that never manifests into an actual date. Or maybe you're like, I would honestly just rather meet a person in real life. I just want to say I have felt all the feels and more, and I want to support you in this process because here's the reality is 40% of couples today meet online. So it ain't going anywhere. Online is here to stay. So I got together with my friend, Kate Warman, relationship coach and podcast host from Heart of Dating Podcast. And we created a brand new workshop, Online Dating 101, how to actively and successfully online date as a Christian woman, one time only, February 25th from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are unpacking all of the questions. We're addressing all the frustrations, and we are equipping you with a renewed mindset and also giving you tools to actively really, really get out there and make the most of online dating. So check out our live workshop one night only, February 25th, 8 to 10 p.m. from the comfort of your own home. So put on your yoga pants, grab your favorite beverage of choice and your girlfriends and sign up for our online dating 101 workshop. You can go to bit.ly slash TRW online dating 101. Again, that's bit.ly. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash TRW online dating 101. Let's get you signed up and equipped and empowered to navigate the dating scene. I I can't remember which of your episodes I was listening to today, but you guys are talking to a couple. They were the ones that are part of eHarmony. Andre. What are their names? Oh, wait. Uh, Les and Leslie Parrott were co-founders of um, eHarmony. Yeah. I don't know why I thought one of their names was Andre. Andre (laughs) Andre was a different. She's the wife of the episode called Lover Work. Okay. Okay. Well, one of those episodes, it (laughs) it was kind of like, they were like, you know, what's the number one thing you can do like to have a healthy marriage? And it was like, you get healthy, like you get healthy personally. And I think it's so easy to just like put it on the other person. And what I've experienced so much is like expecting guys that I'm dating to be mind readers. Like, Mm -hmm. well, and then it's like you mask it in this like spiritual language. Well, he's not pursuing me or he's not leading or whatever is the jargon. But really what I've wondered in the last few years is like, you know, this is how one of my guy friends says it. He's like, men want to please women. Like, we want to please you. (laughs) We Mm. want to take you on the dates that you want to go on. But like, we need you to give us the playbook. Like we need you to tell us what you want. And I've just been so curious, like why is it such a vulnerable thing to say, like, I like it when you kiss me like that. Or I like, if he's like, well, let's go to Chili's and you're like, (laughs) I don't know why that came to my mind. I haven't been to Chili's in years. I have so many thoughts about this. Um, Why is it hard to be like, well, actually, like I would rather go here inside. You don't say anything. And you're like, oh, like he just like doesn't take me on good dates or why is it so vulnerable to say 
or like say your truth or say, this is what I yeah. want. We talked about this actually in a, in an episode recently, more, more related to intimacy, but I think it mm-hmm. applies to so many different areas. And actually <laughs> it's funny because you said the thing, the mind reader thing, and that comes up for us a lot. Like, mm-hmm. how are we supposed to know what the other person wants if we don't say it? And to answer your question, I think honestly, one of the reasons why it's so difficult is because if you say, well, first of all, with the restaurant example, if the other person, like if the guy wants to go to Chili's and you want to go to, I don't know, Olive Garden, then like, <laughs> then but not any then, Olive Garden. I want to go to the one in Times one Square. In Times Square. Oh. I knew you were going to say that. That's and so I want the funny. Alfredo sauce. But honestly, like you, you go along with maybe in certain cases you'd go along or maybe he would go along with yours. Or you'd go along with him. It doesn't necessarily, I think, have to be gender specific, but you'd go along with what the other person wants because you don't want to ruffle any feathers. And because mm-hmm. if you're, if you, if it's not a huge deal to you, then it's, it's almost like easier to please the other person or make mm-hmm. sure they're happy. And in a lot of cases, it's not a big deal. Right. But mm-hmm. then when it comes down to actually things that are a bigger deal, like feeling like you can't understand why your husband doesn't buy you flowers on your birthday. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just as an example. <laughs> <laughs> and yet sharing about a friend. I just mean, whatever. Just hypothetically. <laughs> so like they, here's what's unfair about that is if you've never told your partner that it makes you feel really loved to get flowers on your birthday, then how would they know? And then here's like, again, going back to your question, like, why don't I say that? I think it's because then you realize you're putting yourself out there to a point where if they don't get you flowers on your birthday in your head, it must mean, you know, you do this subconsciously. You you like connect the dots in a way that's like, well, then maybe he doesn't love me. Yeah. Mm. Whereas that's not the story at all. But our brains do that thing where they connect the dots and we can't always control it because it might be subconscious and we don't know. Mm. And we actually have, it's so funny that you said this. We So there's a lot of I think marriage myths out there. Gerard talks a lot about bad marriage advice because mm-hmm. it's one of his. Would you say that's your biggest pet peeve? Oh, 100%. Ooh, I want <laughs> to hear the bad up. marriage advice. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Well, one of them, I think one of them is like, you know, you get married and you should be able to read the other person's mind immediately. Yeah. Like, I think that's just something that non-married people assume happens ma- like by magic at the altar or something. Mm. Yeah, I mean, just like, or just that you would, ha- whoever you are with, right? If you have should a strong you- enough connection yeah. with them, they, you mm. should know what's going on. And every preference, every like nuance that there could possibly be, you'd know that about each other. And And so, for instance, one of the things that we've loved doing is taking some of these marriage myths and flipping them on their heads in a lot of cases, or just at least reframing them Mm. to come up with our own framework so that some of the like antiquated advice, like another one that we use as an example is like, never let the sun go down on your anger. Mm -hmm. And for us, that just has not been useful. And in a lot of cases, Kat, it's been really damaging. Like there have been plenty of times where we should have gone directly to sleep instead of keeping (laughs) fighting. Because you're tired, you haven't eaten. It's it's like three o'clock in the morning. Nothing productive is getting done. Exactly. And then it, and then it makes the fighting, we don't fight fair when we're tired. And so Mm. then it makes things worse. And so we actually, one of the things we're excited about is we created, um, there's a lot of them. We've got like 10 by now, but Mm -hmm. we did put three of our favorites together in a little video series. That's really fun called the three marriage myths that nearly ruined our relationship because literally they're things that like 
threatened to pull us apart, but mm. until we reframed them into making them things that actually work for us. Cause I think to Gerard's point about bad marriage advice is like, it's maybe not ill intended right. to begin with, but because every marriage is so different. Yeah. Your marriage is your marriage. Right. Like, that's what you need to learn. In, in, and something we learned really quickly is our relationship is really different from, you know, you brought up the parrots or, mm-hmm. you know, our other friends, any of our friends that are married. Our marriages are di- completely different, even if we grew up in the same right. kind of millennial uh, age group or whatever yeah. it is. You, you can know? feel a lot alike. And, and, but I think what you're saying is each marriage is so different. Oh, 100%. And so the advice isn't one size fits all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even when you guys are talking, I'm wondering if there's like a difference as we're talking about vulnerability, because I resonate with what you said, Jesse. And I think to add on to that, like, I think why it can be vulnerable for me to share with a guy what it is that I really want is like, I feel like I don't want to be too much. Like, I don't want to want too much. I want to seem like the cool girl. I want to seem low maintenance. Like, Oh, oh no, I'm totally fine. Like, yeah, let's go get pizza and inside. I'm like, that gluten is going to destroy me. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not wanting to be like, you know, I'm wanting to be like the low maintenance cool girl, not too much. Um, and well, I actually wooed, I wooed Gerard by being very intentional about trying to be the cool laid back, like, mm. oh no, I don't need any, I don't need any romance or anything like Valentine's day. One of our first Valentine's days together has ruined Valentine's Day for me forever <laughs> because because I was like, oh, you don't want to go out to eat? Fine. How about this? I'll make you dinner and we'll sit on the floor of your college apartment watching Kansas City, or I'm sorry, a KU Jayhawks basketball game, yeah. like a March Madness game, basically. I'm the cool girl. Because I'm the cool girl. And then <laughs> from then on, this was literally like before we were even engaged, every Valentine's Day since then, he's like, so you're going to make dinner. We're going to sit on the floor and watch basketball, right? <laughs> You're so like, let that be a lesson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's like, you know, all fun and games, right? When you're like, I'm the cool girl. Like you're like, when you're dating, you're like putting your best foot forward almost. And then it's like, you can't keep up the charades like for a lifetime, right? So I'm curious for you, Gerard, like as a man, and obviously you can't speak for like all mankind, but like <laughs> how and why, how and why is vulnerability hard for you? Uh, or how has it been hard for you? And is it yeah, the same I mean, as us or is it different? I think it's really similar. But I think, look, if, I, if I'm going to generalize and, and kind of guess here, I would say a lot of guys are not in touch with, you know, what's behind the, the wall in terms mm-hmm. of like, oh, everything's cool. I'm fine. I'm calm. I'm cool, collected. Look at me. You know, we, we're sometimes very detached from our emotions. And so vulnerability would mean to like, reconnect that synapse that's been broken and then be like, oh, and here it is, this this thing that's really fragile. Uh, I just don't think uh, a lot of men are in touch with that side of themselves. See, I see you being very in touch with that side of yourself. So I'm George surprised you're not like that. the other guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> I've learned over time. No, I mean, I think I was, I, th- I think there's a lot of ways in which I tend to be detached from emotions. Hmm. And so I'm not always like Jesse will tell you, I'm not always that clear on like what I actually want. Mm. I think we just had a conversation the other day. It was like, uh, it's like, I'm not really sure if I've really thought that through. 
like what I want in this situation or, or, or for this circumstance. It ended up being Taco Bell and that surprised me. <laughs> He's like, I want a BRC. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I just think, I think that's more difficult for men uh, in that way. And so look, if, if you have your heart broken once or twice, mm-hmm. it gets really easy to just kind of, well, I don't need walls. to share that. I don't need mm-hmm. to do that again. And, and so it can, it just feels really dangerous, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I remember you guys talking about um, like the vulnerability of like physical intimacy in your uh, episode with Morgan and her husband mm-hmm. and just how like, if you've put yourself out there, if you've like initiated sex or and this thing is, you know, and it, you've gotten rejected and it's like, man, I don't, you know, I did that before and I don't want to do that again. And the price seems too high that all seems like so vulnerable and I'm glad that you guys share that. Cause I just feel like, you know, as a single person that's not having sex, it's like, you know, I'm like, I can't wait to get married and have all the sex I want. Like, I don't think of like, Oh, what if I want sex and he doesn't, or like, what mm-hmm. if, you know, I think of like, I really love making out. Like when I get married, is it just like no making out anymore? Like, <laughs> it's Pretty just much. like, well, he rubs your foot and that means it's sex. Yeah. Um, but how vulnerable that is. It's really hard. One of the things that I will just share is that I wish more married people had been open with us, mm-hmm. even like before, separately, like not not necessarily like before we knew, we, you know, not during our period of engagement, but even just like me as a single woman growing and growing up, like mm-hmm. I wish more people were open about the fact that married sex is very, very complex because there's two bodies involved, two hearts involved, two brains involved. And it's just, it's not like, I don't, I don't even know what to compare it to, but it's, it's Mm. just, it's never simple Mm. ever. (laughs) And that doesn't mean that it's always like, that doesn't mean that it's never beautiful because Mm. I think beauty a lot of times comes from complexity. And I think of course there's times that it can be easier than others. Obviously, I don't want to make it sound like it's awful or, or that like figuring it out is awful, but it's just, um, I think to what you said is it, it wasn't necessarily, it didn't like play out as with as much ease or like magic as the movies make out to be, Mm -hmm. or as even like friends made it out to be. And so, yeah, I don't know. I guess I wish we had more of a dose of reality so that there weren't so many moments of like, shoot, are we like doing this wrong or what's going on? Yeah. I don't mean the actual act of doing it, but sometimes that too. I mean more like the pursuit and the communication. I don't think it's right supposed anymore. to go there. <laughs> oh man. 2020 is in full swing and I don't know about you, but I am here for it. I'm also here human to human to ask you for support. Help me, friend, to help you. The Refined Collective podcast is one of my most favorite projects that I have ever worked on in my career, but it is definitely a labor of love. We have quite a bit of hard costs each month from software and subscription services to my team who edit and produce the episodes to licensing music and running logistics for all things Refined Collective. 
Now, because of that, I want to invite you, yes, you, to join our Patreon community. Patreon is this incredible platform that helps listeners financially support their favorite podcasts. You can support the Refined Collective podcast for as little as $5 a month. And we made a bunch of fun different tiers that are jam-packed with free goodies and VIP access to our newest content. And you will be notified before anyone else about our upcoming live events. I'll also be going to you first to find out what questions you want answered and what topics you want covered moving forward. So in the midst of a wild year, I want to ask you, friend, if you'd be willing to link arms with my team and me and sharing some of the load and helping make the Refine Collective podcast the best it can possibly be. So if you want to learn more or sign up today, head on over to patreon.com slash the Refine Collective. Again, that's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash the Refine Collective. Thank you so, so much for being a part of this community. I think you're so right. And it's, I mean, it's why I crave conversations like the ones we're having. Cause like, Absolutely. I mean, at this point I've, I'm 34. I've been a bridesmaid 17 times. Mm-hmm. And I'm at that point where I'm starting to see friends of mine split up. And there's mm-hmm. some friends where you're like, oh, I could, could kind of have seen that coming if I'm being real mm-hmm. honest. And then other friends where it's a complete blindside and you're like, what? Right. Like you guys? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I'm so grateful for my friends that are like, here is why it's hard. And I'm like a very like tangible, like, like I need something to hang my hat on. Like, I'm like, so when you say it's hard, what the hell does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm so grateful that you guys are having these conversations. And I think along those lines, you know, you guys, the, you know, genesis of your podcast was like, you're at this like brink of, I don't know if this is going to work. And so my question is like, why are you staying in it? Like we live in a culture Mm -hmm. that's just like, you know, like, do what feels good as long as it feels good. And then when it doesn't like find something new, I'm just, I'm always just so curious when people choose to stay, when it would be easy and not necessarily frowned upon to walk away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I have like a one phrase answer, but it feels like it's a little bit of a cop out. I think honestly, a huge part of it for us is that we're both really stubborn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think like, it's like giving, giving up would be, we'd have to have a really like a damn good reason. And honestly, like I think for the most part, I, there, there are not a lot of things that I think fall into that category and none of Mm -hmm. which are our reality. And so I think even though it's been really challenging at times, it's also been so beautiful at times. And I think that's like, you'll appreciate this as a photographer cat. Cause I always, I like using the, illustration of like the contrast between dark and light, like in an image or even in, uh, and in anything is part of what makes it compelling to look at. Mm -hmm. And I think if we didn't have an understanding that you're going to get both when you're doing life with someone in, in a, in a marriage setting that the, the good parts wouldn't feel as good. And so it, it gives us hope, I guess, to just hang in there and, you know, one of the things too that I, I thought of earlier when you were talking, Kat, is that we started our show for the accountability of talking through some of the stuff mm-hmm. that we needed to talk through. But what I think also happened was that we realized, oh, if we really set our mind to this, like we could treat this like, I don't mean to to 
minimize our marriage. But if we treated this like a project, like something we want to get really good at, almost like a hobby in a way, I've never, I've never thought about it that way before, but I'm just thinking through like our marriage has turned into something that we are tending to and we are constantly learning about and constantly trying to enrich. It's always so interesting to me that more people don't continue education on something like marriage. Many people don't even have any education on marriage, but for instance, like if you're a nurse, you have to do continuing education for your job. If you're a teacher, Mm -hmm. you have to do continuing education for your job. There's so many professions. I mean, you, I know as a photographer are constantly trying to hone your skills, get better practice. And so this is our primary relationship in our life. And in my opinion, the most important, you know, part of my life, aside from my faith is, is Gerard, my life with Gerard. And so Pouring into that for us and researching it and practicing it has has been what's enabled us to see so much growth. And I think that's why we've created a lot of the stuff we've come up with more recently, the summit and the videos and and the things that we really want to use to encourage others is because it's stuff we wish we had. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. so true. I mean, just to kind of tag on that is is because there is so much bad marriage advice out there, We've, we've seen that play out in so many different venues and, and really kind of we, we started kind of turning the corner and saying, let's create this, the stuff around marriage that we wish we had. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know, that's why we are doing these videos. That's why we do this podcast. That's why we have grounded and, and it's going to be, it's going to be such a, a, a great way to really create this, like just saying, continuing education for marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, but to answer your question, I think the hope, I like the more we learn, the more we realize, oh, we can get through this. Mm-hmm. And then that's what kept us hanging in there. That's, that's so good. And I'm, my, this is, <laughs> I have this on my pe- paper to ask you guys. <laughs> can I go to your marriage summit if I'm single? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I was looking at the website. I was like, I want to go. I feel so left this, out. <laughs> this is so interesting, Kat. It's funny because there's so many friends of ours who, I know would get, not only get so much out of it and just full disclosure, it's not us. Like we're not going to be standing up there giving our marriage knowledge, but um, <laughs> I I actually feel so confident about what it's going to be like because we know how to curate um, an event featuring the people that we've learned the most from. And so that's mm. essentially what's happening is like the people that have led us the most we, as we've sought wise counsel, the people that have ministered to us both strategically, psychologically, and spiritually are the ones that we want there to help not only teach the people that are our guests, but us. Like Gerard and I are still pursuing, you know, this building a, a healthier marriage and, and growing deeper roots, which is what we say. Mm. And I honestly think there should be single people there. And you are 100% more than welcome, honestly. And we would split, you know, easily split it up so that, you know, you could buy a single ticket because I honestly, mm-hmm. that was something we talked about from the very beginning. We weren't sure if there would be desire for that, but I'm, you know, you heard it here first. It's what's oh happening. Gosh. What <laughs> if it turned into a marriage seminar mixer. and then a single mixer? We could have <laughs> I mean, a whole lot of fun it. with that. Definitely I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to work on this. <laughs> work on. There will be Mark okay. There will be dancing. It's going to happen. <laughs> I love it. Okay. I'm going to ask you guys one more question. And if you guys can just think of like one answer for each, I'm so curious what you guys think. Um, okay. 
What did you think was important that wasn't as important as you thought it would be when looking for a partner? And what is more important than what you, okay. You do see what I'm saying? <laughs> I even have yeah. the question written down and I'm like, I'm like can't read it. So I think when I you're it, looking but... for a partner, so like for a single person, yeah. like what did you think was important that didn't turn out to be that important? What, what do you wish you would have paid more attention to? <laughs> or what do you I'm think people should be paying more attention to that may not seem yeah. as important? Let's I say see. that. <laughs> so I've got, I've got one here to start. Okay. The thing I thought was important was that we, that Jesse or my future partner and I would agree on everything. Oh yeah. Whether it's like our politics, our like exact beliefs theology. on God, theology. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was going to be super important. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's that important. Yeah. Or maybe just less important than you like yeah. held it. Yeah. yeah. I, I could see that. We could do a whole podcast um, episode on that. Mm-hmm. Oh, trust me, girl. Part We've two. got a couple on just Ugh. that because honestly, like that has been, that's definitely played out for us in interesting ways. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see. In that same category, I think I probably thought that our professions we're going to need to be more in line. Not that I care, like not from like a status perspective, like I care so much about what he does or his title or anything. No, no, no. More like I thought that our professions were going to be, we're going to need to be more aligned with each other in order for our, like the logistics of our lives to work. And what's interesting is that when we got married, we both had specific career aspirations and neither one of us is doing either thing that we thought we were going to be doing. And so it just hasn't really mattered that we've both changed careers a few times and it's looked a lot of different ways. I thought that was going to be a big deal and it really, for some reason it hasn't mm-hmm. been. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the other part of the question? So what, what do you think would be, or what did you not think was that important or what, what should you have been looking for? Oh, interesting. Um, someone who likes to go to the gym with me so I don't have to go by myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But seriously, do you want to go to the gym later? Uh, thanks. <laughs> I go to Pilates. How about hot yoga? Uh, gosh, uh, I don't know. Jesse convinced me to go hot yoga once and stuck me right next to the heater in I the back so corner. I felt so bad. That was an accident. I would have loved like, to have seen that. Yoga. Fly on the wall. Yeah, that that would have been my dream. Like, Brutal. He accidentally sat right next to the heater. And actually, this is the funniest part of the story. We walk out and you know how... Well, you don't, you may not know how I look after hot yoga, but we all know how everyone looks after hot yoga. We walk out and we just are all a mess, right? And we're standing in the lobby. I think we we're like getting our shoes or something. And this cute gal comes up and she's like, hi, um, are you Jesse and Gerard? <laughs> and we were like, yes, may we help you? And she totally recognized our voices, which obviously oh, like, hilarious. like, anyways, we were so embarrassed. It was not my proudest moment. So but anyways, funny. I don't know. Do you have one for that question? I, I do. Gosh. Oh, no. tell me. I I do. I know I'm the single one, but I have a I have a thought about that. Yeah. Okay. So this took me a really long time to like give myself permission to think about these things. Um, because it would be like for me, what's most important? Like, do we share like a worldview slash faith, like person of integrity? Does he have vision? And recently over the last few years, like playfulness. Like Mm. being with someone that I can play with, like how do they spend their free time has become more important to me than I would have. Like, I feel like 10 years ago, I was like, all you need is love. Like, that's all you need. Like, Mm -hmm. does he love Jesus? And does, are we in love? Then that's all you need. And um, I think someone that you can play with, 
is mm. that has become more it, important to me than I initially thought. Um, so mm-hmm. that's that's become really important to me. Well, and just to affirm that in you, I would say hang on to that one because mm-hmm. probably I could say that would be one of my favorite things about our relationship is that we both really, really love to have fun together. And mm-hmm. even just like in terms of compatibility, I don't know that I would have known to look for that, mm-hmm. but we do share a lot of similar, like we love spending our free time in similar ways. Not every single thing overlaps, but like we love to entertain. We love hosting, mm-hmm. um, you know, like throwing parties and stuff. And then we love, we both love to perform. We both love to read. Like there's so many ways that our, our leisure time overlaps, but we also love like joking around is our favorite thing. And I guess some of our earliest dates were going to comedy clubs and enjoying Mm. just like that part of the entertainment industry. And that has been a through line for us. And I didn't, it didn't occur to me, honestly, I think Gerard was the first person I dated that that was like a value or an interest of his as even just a hobby, Mm -hmm. but it's played out in so many ways in our marriage and it's, it's saved us in so many ways. So I think that's so smart, Kat. Thank you. Um, Gerard, do you have any? I yeah, feel like I, mean, I cut I was you gonna, off. <laughs> no, I was going to say for me, like understanding more about family of origin stuff mm-hmm. in my partner and just like understanding like who she is almost beyond the person that I'm interacting with. Right. Mm-hmm. There's a history to her and that she's gained all these elements to her personality and the way she reacts to things that are really, really important. And mm-hmm. so understanding those things, I think can be really valuable. I don't think it's a, necessarily needs to be any sort of red flag. It's actually something that you can just help me appreciate her more and understand who she is. I thought that was really valuable to us as we got, uh, when we first started, you know, when we first married. And I think just something I'll just add on to that, that seems related is something that has, I think we've grown into. I mean, one of the things we say a lot, Kat, is that since we got married when we were 22, we, we've basically now spent a third of our life together. And it, in a lot of ways, it feels like those early, like, well, the 20s are in general, just like very formative years, in my opinion. And so we say that we've grown up together in a lot of ways. But one thing that I think we really had to grow into is understanding that we both have varying degrees of interest in personal development and spiritual development. And that not only is that okay, but that that's something that we might embrace in varying degrees at different periods of mm-hmm. our life. And it's okay if it doesn't always match up perfectly. Yeah, Like if one of us is having a really deep season of um, connection with the Holy Spirit and feeling like that's flourishing and we just feel just like we're drawing so near to God, that doesn't mean the other person has to be experiencing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and while obviously you probably want to be with someone who shares those same values, it doesn't necessarily mean that, um, I think honestly, what's more important is that maybe less so with the spiritual sense, but more back to the like personal growth, psychological sense of things, being with someone who at least understands and affirms that that's a value of mine. Mm -hmm. And then me also giving him the grace to be like, yeah, maybe this is important to me, but it might not have to match your, like your pursuit of it Mm -hmm. has been we've grown into. But what's cool is I think we've sort of begun to almost like adjust or adapt to living life with the other person in relationship with the other person as it relates to that one specific thing. Yeah, I think that's, I think so many single people need to hear that because it's like, 
like I answered a, a question in my private Facebook group last week and she was basically at like, it's what it sounded like is she was looking for a clone of herself and a partner. Mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, when we're talking about spirituality and so many other things as well, I mean, like, am I looking for a clone or a partner? And it, like a relationship with God is a relationship. There's ebbs and flows. And like, I don't need someone that experiences God the exact same way. Like just because mm-hmm. I wake up in the morning and I read and journal for that first, you know, 30 minutes that I wake up, it doesn't mean that if my partner doesn't do it the exact same way that they don't believe in God or they're not seeking God. Like it, right. like the way we express our faith can look differently. And I think, I think there's some like rigidity there and in, in singles, um, like people of faith circles or those faith conversations where it's like, well, if he doesn't do a quiet time and if he's like not involved in like these three extra, extracurricular, right. wow. However you say that word, extracurricular <laughs> things at church, then like, oh, he's not a Christian. And um, I just yeah. feel like, man, do I have space for another person to be on yeah. a journey with God? Do I have space for them in that? And Yeah. Can um, I just add one more thing really fast? Yeah. I know we need to wrap up. But on that same note, I think one of the most beautiful illustrations that has brought us so much breakthrough is... Um, really what's like the cornerstone content at Grounded. And it's this idea that if we viewed our marriage as these two plants that are living in uh, like symbiotic relationship with each other, we would tend to them understanding that it's like only the best gardens and the best fields and the best natural habitats have a blend of different personality, you know, like, like mm. the characteristics of the plants need to be um, complementary to each other. And if they were all the same, you wouldn't have the same ecosystem. Mm. And so we just, we were in Guatemala a couple of years ago and we, we were on the side of a mountain driving on this like windy, windy road in a car. And it was like the steepest, scariest road you've ever imagined. And yet there were these fields growing on the sides of these mountains. And we were like, how, how is this a farm? Like, how is someone farming this land? It doesn't make sense that the, that the plants are able to grow. And we looked more closely, we could see that there were corn stalks and sweet pea vines growing. Um, They'd been planted intentionally by the farmers in a way so that the sweet pea vines had roots that were growing deep enough and had mm. branches that were wrapping around the corn stalks in order to protect the corn stalks from being blown over by the crazy winds. And the corn stalks were growing straight enough and strong enough and sturdy enough for the sweet pea vines to have something to grow up and attach itself to. And when we started looking at our own marriage as this like beautiful organism that's being grown and wrapped and intertwined together by the two of us and the decisions that we make... It, it provided just a ton of grace and a really helpful launching off point so that we understood that it's better to not be the same plant <laughs> right? because, right. because then we would be like vining all over the place and, and there's all kinds of problems. And there's more beautiful parts about that illustration I won't go into, but I think what you just said is so important. And I, I agree 100% for sure. So good. Well, I feel like I already need to have you guys on again for a a part two, because I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like been an hour and I want to talk with you for, maybe I'll just make it like armchair experts and I'm going to have three hour episodes. Maybe we should like give that a run for it. I would be here for it. I would be here for it. I mean, you really have to be like ready for like an armchair expert episode. And 
true. I love him. Well, guys, yeah. thank you so much for your time. Um, I'm so excited for your marriage summit grounded in February. I'm so excited to just continue to listen to your podcast and thanks for just being real. I'm just grateful for y'all. You got it, sister. We love you. We miss you. you. We're so, so proud of you and so glad to see all the great things you're doing. And I mean, as a fan of your podcast, I'm already excited to see what's next. So bring it on, sister. Thanks, guys. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. If you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.